we were talking a little bit about how to keep positive in a world gone insane, right? Yeah. And the easiest thing to do is the usual plant your trees, uh, cultivate your garden and tend to your livestock. And, and once you start doing that, nothing else matters. Welcome to Thrive in the Future podcast, positive solutions to help you thrive, designing your intentional life, homesteading, gardening, and rediscovering culture and tradition. Are you thriving this summer? Join the Thriving Community Telegram group where we share our real-world successes and failures on homesteading, gardening, and designing your intentional life at signup.thriveinthefuture.com. Comfrey crowns and root cuttings are now in stock at grownuttrees.com, and it's time to place your orders for chestnut seedlings that will ship in November and December. Chestnut seedlings grown here in the Midwest and adapted to the Midwest. That's at grownuttrees.com. Welcome back to Thrive in the Future. This week, I have Shooter with me from Australia again. Welcome, Shooter. How's it going down in Australia? You're going towards, yeah. for your winter, heading towards spring, right? Yes, and we did have our fake summer, just like you got, just at the same time that you guys had your heat zone. So, <laughs> I don't know what to think about that. Conspiracy theories abound. Oh, yeah. So, you were saying a week or two ago that it was 80-some degrees fahrenheit abnormally uh, warm right yes and we broke on there was one particular day we broke our record for the warmest august day so wow. in a couple of few weeks so yeah um 31 degrees centigrade we got which is unheard of in the middle of winter yeah what's it, that it was that's, that's like 90 right yeah it would be uh, yeah it was it was awful wow i was thinking if this is what it's gonna but then um it all went away, and now we're now we're back to what I would consider a typical day going from winter into spring. Yeah, you've got your leaves out, your arbor, your grape arbor is starting to leaf out. Yep. Wow. I should I should start taking time lapse photos of that. It gets quite thick and dark underneath when it's uh-huh. in the middle of summer, which is perfect. Right. How's Heath? The kangaroo and everybody doing. Tilda the kangaroo. She transitioned to Tilda the kangaroo after having a uh, joey. Uh, yeah, they're doing okay. They you, they may come past at some stage looking for the great uh, wheat that I put out for them as uh-huh. a little snack. Oh, that's right. Heath turned out to be a female after all when it dropped yeah. uh, joey. So now you yeah. call, what do you call the mother? What do you call the Tilda? Tilda. Tilda and the um, the Joey is Harley, which is an ambiguous name because we don't know whether it's a male or female. Is Tilda still carrying the Joey around? No, no, uh, long gone. Yeah, he, uh, he or she is about the same size as her now, so and may really? well get bigger. Yeah. Wow. I, I think I th- I suspect Tilda is unusually small for a kangaroo because mm-hmm. she, yeah, she's she's quite tiny. There's not much to her and. Um, yeah, Harley's looking to be a proper kangaroo. Harley st- still hangs around. Oh, okay. Yeah, a little bit skittish, <laughs> but um, I feel that over time, Harley's becoming more accustomed to us. Haven't been able to get close enough to pat him or her yet, but uh, we're working on it. Oh, good. Yeah, I published your aquaponics article this morning, Introduction to aquaponics, the world's greatest ebb and flow bed. 
to Thriver News, Thriver.news. So folks listening can go and check that out. It goes down even to the step-by-step with the fittings and the IBC totes and everything. Very detailed. Good job. Well, thanks for that. Yeah, I, I just wanted something that was simple, that used um, uh, IBC, which anyone can get hold of an IBC. You don't have to use those several hundred dollar fancy um, fake corrugated ebb and flows uh, beds that they sell you at the um, nurseries. Just anything yeah. that can hold water will do the job. Uh-huh. So how often do you have to change the lava rock? Does a lava rock break down after a while? Uh I don't know yet. So so far, so good. I haven't changed any of the um, beds that I originally made yet. Um, okay. It could it couldn't hurt to, for that to be an annual thing when sort of when you when your um, plants are spent and you're ready to put the new ones in, give it a, give it a good clean out. But uh, so far, so good. They've powered through summer, powered through winter, and still going. Uh huh. So the you have the fish pond. And then the the gunk from the fish pond goes into the aquaponics beds. Is that how that works? Ideally, not. No, the, the gunk should um, stay at the bottom of the uh, at at the bottom of the pond, so that it can get broken down by critters down there. Oh. All that's go- all that's ideally going into the ebb and flow beds is um, ammonia rich water, which oh, uh, the the bacteria in the lava rock and the um, and the clay balls will uh, turn into oxygenated water after it's flush. Okay. So it has both lava rock and then it has uh, clay balls on top of it, right? Yeah. The reason I did that is because um, the opening to the IBCs is quite big and the clay balls will pour out of that and end up in the in the pond, which you don't want. So the lava rock is purely to block up the entrance to, to keep the clay balls in. Interesting. Okay. So what causes the ammonia then? Is it the the bacteria oh, in the lava rock and the aquaponics, or is it does the, it come from the waste the product of the pond? fish? Um, it naturally, turns it uh, ammonia rich because they're, they're supposed to live in huge amounts of water with um, lots of surface area to turn over the oxygen. But in a small pond, that's not going to happen. So um, the only way, if you've got them yeah. fully stocked. Uh, for your maximum um, bang for your buck, uh, you, you, you need the mechanical uh, turnover of the water to keep them alive. Uh huh. So do you you have a pump that keeps it circulating and stuff? Yeah, I have two pumps. One's a circulating pump, which uh, just runs all the time. It picks it picks up the um, water from one end of the pond, transfers it to the other end of the pond, and pours it back in. And uh, at as well as that, there's a um, ebb and flow pump on a timer to um, keep the uh, mm-hmm. ebb and flow beds. You've got to have constant circulation. The 45 minutes off in summer might not do your fish any good. Mm-hmm. How how often do you cycle it through the beds? With um, the pump? I have the timer set for 15 minutes on, 45 minutes off, and that, that seems to work fine. Okay. The clay balls don't get dry mm-hmm. in that 45 minutes off. On forty-five minutes off, right? Yep. Okay. Oh, that—that's the convenience. Makes it an hour cycle. Sure. And I—I don't know if you're OCD about this sort of thing. You could do your testing on your pH and your ammonia levels, and maybe think, oh, maybe thirty minutes off, fifteen minutes on is better. Fifteen on, forty-five off is 
so uh, it, it covers it so well that um, you don't need to think too hard about it. Uh-huh. So what, uh, do you have anything going in there right now, or do you wait until it warms up a little bit? Or Oh, no. Um, for us, uh, winter is ideal for planting your brassicas. Uh, they power through winter for us. Uh, it, doesn't, it doesn't get cold enough for them to um, suffer from freezing. So our chard, uh, mainly chard, lettuce, all of that will go, go well through winter. And at the moment, I thought one of the beds is um, rooting cuttings, for uh, hibiscus and napier grass. Hmm. I found some uh, a, napier, a napier grass stand on the side of the road on my way home one day and went, oh, I'll have And all I did was chop up chop up the stalks into the individual stolons or the, the nodes, put one of those in a basket in the heaven flybed, and they've just started shooting. You've got kales or brassicas and stuff going on right now. What kind of stuff do you have in the summertime in there? In the summer, we... we Try our best to get some tomatoes and capsicum going. Really, haven't had much success with them so far because a little bit inland and um, a little bit of altitude that gives you extremes on the hot and cold during day and night, and more so than cool weather for tomatoes, they don't like extremes of weather. Sure. So if you can have a chilly, mo- chilly morning and a hot day, yeah, they suffer. So I'm still trying to get the balance right for um, having tomatoes grow well here. Uh-huh. Once your arbor fills in there, will that offset it somewhat? Hopefully, yes. Mm-hmm. That'll, that'll take the edge off the day, and hopefully um, the, the masonry of the ponds and the um, cover of the arbor will take the edge off the nine as well and bring that temperature range smaller so that the tomatoes can uh, hopefully get a, get, a, get a good start. Sure. So the heat won't dissipate out of there at night if you've got a good cover. Oh, it's very open on the side, so a breeze will um, cool things down. But it, it, yeah, it, it won't get too cold, and um, it won't stay too hot. So hopefully, I can get a good uh, balance going for that. That's interesting. So we've got uh, another round of uh, fear porn going on. So <laughs> how how are you? Uh, we were talking a little bit about how to keep positive in a world gone insane, right? Yeah. And the easiest thing to do is the usual: plant your trees, uh, cultivate your garden, and tend to your livestock. And and once you start doing that, nothing else matters. Like for example, at the moment, um, we've got Trixie Bell, one of our goats, is so pregnant, and she's she's due to drop any time. And nothing else in the world is important when you're thinking: Oh, um, do we need more hay for her? Is she comfortable? Is she getting all the nutrients she needs? Sure. Um, when are the when are the um, babies expected? It, it all puts it into perspective that uh, Mexican aliens just don't come into the equation. <laughs> Mexican aliens. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's amazing how much those Mexican aliens look like E.T. They really tried really hard. Mm-hmm. It's almost and, and appa- too much. And apparently humans are the, uh, the perfect... Uh, life form for, for traveling across the galaxy you, you don't need any more than two arms or two legs that it, it, that that's how um the perfect evolution is for exploring the galaxy <laughs> very close to human coincidentally <laughs> yeah well supposedly they're going to have a big uh another reveal by nasa i thought it was supposed to be today i thought it was the 14th but uh either today or tomorrow so we'll see. 
they're going to reveal some more UFO stuff. So something big must going to happen if they got to put out uh, distractions like that. I, I remember it would have been 10 years ago, maybe on a science podcast that I was listening to. They had a, um, a breaking news that a uh, former NASA uh, scientist um, revealed everything uh-huh. and said that aliens existed and they were in contact with them and nothing happened because 10 years ago we, w- we weren't ready for the, uh, the drama then. Right. And I, I guess what happened maybe was they went, oh, well, we'll, we'll put that on the back shelf and uh, bring that out when it's when it's the more appropriate time. And I guess now is the more appropriate time. <laughs> Aliens, you need to plant trees, cultivate garden, and tend your livestock. <laughs> yep. that'll, that'll be the uh, the meme for next week <laughs> when this comes out. That's awesome. And the, be- and the best part about it is even if there are aliens and it's true, you still got to plant your trees, cultivate your garden, and tend your livestock. That's, that's not going away. Right. Yeah, definitely. What's really funny is people just don't seem to care. It's like, oh, well, we got aliens. And yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, I think I think after, after the lockdowns and the hyperinflation, people are going, well, I, I'd like to take it seriously, but I, I need to find some food the next week <laughs> yeah exactly it's like yeah seen that been there looks a lot like uh the movie so maybe too much uh predictive programming so what uh what new trees are you growing this year um this year well i, I started my air prune bed i discovered air prune beds last year for the, for the first time ever and i went a bit mad with that put in a heap of chestnuts Put in a heap of pecans, um, London plane trees, and what was the other thing? Oh, the butterfly bush, the uh, the legumes, the nitrogen fixing tree. And then I found out with the um, chestnuts is they're not they're not nice. They don't enjoy it here because it's too hot for them. Mm-hmm. Chestnuts like like a bit of snow, and I'm not giving them snow. Yeah. So I've got all these chestnuts. Got all these chestnuts I've been giving away because. Um, I don't want them to die on me. Uh, the London London, pra- London plane trees, they're happy. Uh, the pecans, well, they're from Texas. I'm sure they're going to be okay here. Uh-huh. And I'm al- always um, trimming mulberries. So I've always got sticks in an air prune bed, uh, mulberry sticks in an air prune bed, uh, rooting them out. So I'm always putting a new mulberry, mulberry in somewhere. Uh-huh. Did you have to do anything special to and- import the uh, pecans from Texas? No, no. Um, you get, go to a uh, farmer's market, and someone will be selling a bag of um, pecans for uh, organic pecans. Uh-huh. You think like, to yourself, "Ah, oh, these aren't imported. These haven't been irradiated. These will probably sprout." And sure enough, uh, stick them in an air prune bed, and they sprouted. So I'm just buying them as seeds from a farmer's market and sticking them in an air prune bed. And up come the up come the seedlings. Wow, that's great. Yeah, my uh, I've just grown pecans for the first time this year. Um, I I got some seeds from the forest conservation and just stuck them in, stuck them in some sand in a bucket in the in the garage for the winter, and then they sprouted out, and they're nice and long now. Yeah, and and um, because they're from uh, a warmer a warmer climate than the chestnuts, you don't need to freeze them over uh, or chill them over winter. For me, my chestnuts, I at the end of summer, I'll buy a bag of chestnuts, 
and stick them in the chiller of the, of the fridge mm-hmm. and they'll sit there until now, I guess. I've actually got them in the chiller now that probably any day soon I'm going to pull out and stick in an Afrin bed. Yeah, but you say it's too hot for chestnuts, so you're just creating the seedlings and then oh. selling them or giving them away or something? Yep. Sell them or give them away for social um, social capital. Sure. So it, it's worth doing. It's, it's always worth having some uh, trees on hand that I can't grow here because somebody else might like them and I might ha- they might have something I want. Yeah, well, we got to help other people plant trees, cultivate gardens, and, and tend livestock too, right? Exactly, yes. Definitely. Yeah, I saw your and maybe uh, maybe down in. The, oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, uh, yeah, maybe down in the flatlands in Perth. Um, so they, the weather might be nicer for the uh, chestnuts. Who knows? Uh huh. Yeah, I saw your variety of uh, chicken eggs. So yeah, you it's really nice. What? Uh, you had some nice colors there. What? What breeds of chickens are creating those nice colors? Um, the blue one is from an Aracana. We got some. We bought a, uh, a few pure Aracanas, and we I've always had Isa Brown, mm-hmm. which they they do the uh, browning. Sure. Um, we got in some Australops, and they started doing the uh, they do the white eggs, and then we bought some Polish chickens, uh, which are olive eggs. So they do they do the green eggs, and we've started mixing the um, Aracanas with the olive eggs. We're starting to get shades of green now. Wow. And uh, bought, bought a wine dot rooster and was uh, mixing the wine dot rooster with the ice brown hens and sort of getting some ranges of uh, white, uh, white through brown there. Uh-huh. So yeah, it's just a matter of um, selectively uh, breeding a small number of uh, roosters, getting getting them in and getting the colours we want. Uh, my partner, she's um, she's actually in the uh, stage of building, she buys cubby houses, children's cubby houses that uh, on, on that are on sale for like fifty dollars or something, and she paints them up and makes them into a uh, romantic chalet for the uh, rooster and um, hen <laughs> to uh, to do their breeding and put them in a small cage. Okay, so it's like a so that, it's like a kid's playhouse, and then she paints them up and turns them into a chicken house. Yes, into ro- romantic getaways. Romantic getaways. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, you'll have to send me a picture of what what that looks like. I'm sure that'll that'll make a good uh, post. Mm, yeah, I'll do that. <laughs> great. So, what's your what is your biggest goal for the Australian summertime then? Uh, well, the. Uh, First yard that we put the goats in, we only, we got, only got the goats for the first time in November, mm-hmm. November last year. So we haven't even had the goats for a year yet. Uh, they went into a yard that was thick with um, prickly prickly brush um, regrowth. That uh, was just impenetrable. I thought, oh, I'll fence that off, and then that's a good place for the goats to start. And then I found out from talking to other people, they love this prickly stuff. It's, it's like sugar to them. And within a couple of months, they've absolutely cleared that area. Uh, so I've moved them out of that area, and that's going to be my test case for putting trees in without irrigation, which I haven't done before. Hmm. So my trick there, trick there is give them a heap of humanure, um, lots of um, compost, and then just um, mulch over the top. So 
And I've also hit that area pretty hard with um, grasses, uh, canary grass and um, Rhodes grass, which is uh, from Rhodesia, as it so happens. Uh, canary grass is fairly easy to get because it's literally canary seed. Hmm. Uh, and you buy, I buy them in like 30 kilo bags. So quite a lot. And I just throw it everywhere. And it's, it's a, it's a um, deep rooted grass. So hopefully that will chase the, um, chase the water down. So combination of, um, tall grasses and lots of mulch. And I'm going to see if I can get my trees to go through one summer without dying horribly. And that's, that, that's going to be my test case to see if I, I can. Do uh, do a forest without irrigation because irrigation is hard work. Yeah. So what do you? Uh, so give a little bit of background on your humanure there for folks who haven't uh, read your posts. Okay, um, that's a dry toilet because um, I've uh, when I started first started researching, I didn't want sewage. Sewage, there's no sewage here. Septic is expensive, and it seems like um, a lot of permits involved and it just sits there. You, you can't make use of it. Then I sure. discovered Joseph Jenkins. He, he invented the, uh, the human your toilet. And I read all about him. And uh, you're pretty much just using a five-gallon bucket. Make a nice frame around the nice gallon bucket so it looks presentable. You don't want to just be sitting on a plastic five-gallon bucket. But that's what does the work. Um, and you fill that with uh, organic, organic fine sawdust. If you can get sawdust, it's good. I use mushroom compost. And coffee grounds, because whenever I drive into Perth, I um, hit a couple of places and get some um, uh, coffee shops and get coffee grounds. So I mix up the mushroom compost and coffee grounds 50-50. If I've been cutting wood and I've got lots of sawdust from the chainsaw, I'll mix that in as well, and that that makes it a a lot lighter and fluffier, which is good. And all you're doing is you're, you're going to the toilet as normal, but instead of flushing, you're just getting a scoop of this um, cover or getting fines and put, putting it over the top. And there's no smell because uh, the mushroom compost and coffee grounds make it smell like a, a forest anyway. So it's quite pleasant. There's nothing unpleasant about it. Once that um, bucket gets full, swap it out for an empty bucket and you can either put that straight into a hole, stick it on a tree on top, or it sits and waits um, for when you've got a spare day. And you can do it. I, at the moment, I think I've got about 10 in a queue just waiting patiently for me to have time to dig a hole, put it in and plant some trees on top. So you could you can put it into yeah. a hole with a tree almost immediately then, right? Yes, because what I do is I, I dig the hole deep enough so that the I can put a, a decent layer of uh, mushroom compost on top of that so that the tree roots aren't sitting in the humanure. There's probably nothing wrong with that, but um, I, I, I err on the side of caution, and I'm I'm having the tree growing in proper compost while the um while the humanure breaks down underneath. And by the time the roots get down there, it's going to be perfectly fine for the tree to um grow in. The other thing I do is all any paper slash cardboard product wrapping um, packaging gets shredded or shredded by hand, torn up, and put into a separate bin that that um also goes into the hole with the humanure um as 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 carbon to feed the um to feed the um mycelium in in the mushroom compost the the mushroom compost isn't dead 
that you buy from the uh, from the soil plate. Not many people know this. It, it's dormant. It's spent. Um, the mushroom growing place have got all they can effectively out of that, so they get rid of it. Mm-hmm. But if you if you mix if you mix mushroom compost in with hay or other organic matter, those mushrooms will come back to life. Really? Wow. And and you'll get mushroom, you will get portobellos from them if you're if you're buying it from a portobello um, mushroom compost. You, I, I've had um, portobellos sprout up where I where I've put in humanure, and it could only have come from the spent mushroom compost. Right. So it's only dormant. But you don't want to eat those. <laughs> you don't want to eat those mushrooms since they came from the humanure, right? Oh no! It it the mushroom breaks down breaks down um, the the nutrients into its chemical constituents and re, reconstitutes it as a mushroom. Wow. Okay. So yeah, the the only time I wouldn't be eating a mushroom is if I know there are heavy metals in the ground, right? Or or um or toxins in the ground um, because they will. They will pull those up in their gills. Mm-hmm. Interesting, because uh, there have been uh, there have been tests done of um, oil spill, like oil contamination in, into um, old commercial sites, factory sites. They planted mushrooms on top of them, and uh, the mushrooms literally pulled all the um, all the uh, toxins out of the ground. And obviously, you don't eat that because it's all stored up in their gills. So the mushrooms are very effective at cleaning up an area. Wow, that's pretty neat. Sounds good. Any other neat projects you have planned? Let me think. At the moment, we're um, concreting any areas where the chickens have been roosting because we we had a thick, fast flea problem. That's a that's a. I did some uh, reading up on that. It's, it's apparently very common. Uh, wherever you have chickens concentrated on, and they're uh, and they're roosting on bare ground, um, the flea will live in the ground, uh, go through its life cycle, then jump on the chicken, and and it's quite it's not good for the chicken's health. Right. So uh, par- apparently the best cure for that is concrete floor, because there's no um, there's no soil for the flea to go through its life cycle in. So mm-hmm. at the moment, yeah, we're doing uh, slowly concreting all the floors of our chicken coop. Wow, sounds good. Well, thank you, Shudra. So, and, every, go ahead. Ah, uh, yeah. And the other thing is, I'm I'm slowly building extra yards so I can start rotating the goats through, because that that that's an important one. Getting the rotational grazing with the goats. Cool. Because you can't be constantly taking food to them. They they've got to be eating food that's being grown in the ground. That's great. Well, thanks again for the. Uh, aquaponics article folks can go check that out at thriver news that's thriver.news and thanks again shooter thank you thanks for having me again you bet and check out thriver news it's thriving community news without the noise it's where perpet and i have more long-form articles about different topics including homesteading intentional living For example, some of the things we've had here is how to make comfrey salve or balm on the fly, Uh, the challenge of being present, basically musings from around the fire pit, teaching kids that failure is an option, a food forest walkthrough of year three, what worked and what didn't. So check it out at thriver.news. And if you like this episode, consider joining the Thriving Patreon 
where you can get early episodes, extras, outtakes, ebooks, as well as lots of bonuses. That's at patreon.com slash thrive in the future. Thank you for listening to Thrive in the Future podcast. If you like what you hear, please click that like or subscribe button in your favorite podcast app. Follow us on Twitter at Thrive in the Future and also go to thriveinthefuture.com.